Good afternoon, everybody. This is Blake Ruby, also known as the Reverend Blake Ruby. How are you? I hope you're doing all right. hope you had a great week. Welcome to my show, Church of the Soul's Evolution. Although, did you know there is no religion in heaven? There is no religion in heaven. Take it from me, I promise you. Once you get there, you'll realize that there is nothing else but a loving mother and father God. Jesus, who died on the cross, he's there, yes. He's just an aspiring co-creator God in the making, like us, who is more evolved, a lot more evolved. He's like a brother. And then there's people from throughout the centuries, all different cultures. There is no religion in heaven, and that's logical because, you know, here on Earth, there are over 4,000 religions, and each one claiming that theirs is the right way. And who can say which is, therefore, Christianity? And how would you say to someone else that you're right and they're wrong? Would you even fight about it? Would you go to war? Would you kill each other because people don't believe what you believe? Well, the truth is, there is no religion in heaven. There's just a loving mother and father God, not only a father God, because you're not going to be a motherless child when you get to heaven. Just like here on earth, when we make children, it requires a male and a female. As it is on earth, so it is in heaven, and vice versa. You need a male and a female to create a soul and a spirit. And so you won't be surprised. So you won't be surprised. Take it from me. There is a mother God. She's on her throne next to Father God, because also Father God wants a woman by his side. What man does not want a woman by his side, right? And who can tell Father God that he can't have a woman? It's just the old people from the Bible who made that up so that they can control the masses, dominate people with power and money. Right? Logical? Makes sense? We are all the children of God. There are no single individual children, either sons or daughters. We are all the children of God, and there is no religion in heaven. Just like Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, although we should have said our mother and father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we are all souls here at different levels of evolution, different stages. It's just like in school and here in the University of the Universe on planet Earth, school Earth, we're learning basic social values. And don't you know, planet Earth is a Category 1 planet, which means it's the lowest on the evolutionary ladder. I watched... A show last night on television, The Holocaust. Have you seen that? The U.S. and the Holocaust, I think it's called. I saw a piece of it before, but this time I saw more of it, and I was still shocked at some of the things the Germans did to the Jews. And I found out recently that I'm part Jewish, 8% European Jewish. They starved them, they burned them, they gassed them. Six million Jews, their bodies piled in heaps. They used to kill 18,000 in one day in those death camps. 
And that was just a short 70-some years ago, just outside my lifetime, and maybe yours too. I was thinking, I was telling my wife, if I could be Superman, I would go back in time. And I would go, and I wouldn't just, I wouldn't kill them all for what they did. I would take, I would go to one of those hearings, one of those assemblies where Adolf Hitler was speaking to those thousands of people. And I would fly up there and I'd grab him by the scruff of the neck and lift him up and say, this man, of course, I'd probably have to know German, is committing genocide, wiping out human beings just like yourself, killing them, machine gunning them down, having them torn apart by dogs. Have them, they hate it so much in the death camps, they, they hated it so much in the death camps, they would run and throw themselves on the electrified fences and then they would get stuck there and burn up in flames. And then, of course, the, the gas chambers, which were like showers, 18,000 in one day, Bodies piled up in masses. There's nothing more than skin and bone because they weren't fed. And they were abused in any way you can imagine. And there's nothing you could think of that wasn't done to them. Why did they do that? So I'd have Hitler and I would explain that to them and say, why is this man doing this? Is he just so angry that Germany lost World War I? that they were treated badly afterwards in the reparations and the rebuilding of Germany and the Jewish people probably were the rich and they looked down their noses, so to speak, where they thought they did at other people, the poor and along comes Adolf Hitler and he decides he wants to get revenge for having lost world war one. And then he's going to blame it on the Jews, everything and try to wipe them off the face of the earth. Six million Jews, my friends, and I was related to some of them, probably all the way back to Israel and when Jesus Christ walked this earth and performed all those miracles. And I'm proud of it. So don't let there be any discrimination, please. Haven't we had enough with killing those six million plus Jews in World War II? Not to mention all the troubles and terrible things that went on with the black people and slavery and the the Hebrews that were enslaved in Egypt. We've had enough discrimination. But you know what? It's evolution, my friends. Evolution here on Earth. And as I was saying, in the University of the Universe here on School Earth, we're learning the basic social values, and that is unfortunately characteristic of a lower evolutionary planet. A lot of killing, senseless killing, horrible murder, terrible, horrific things that we do to each other. And now we're a lot better. We are, aren't we? I want to change the subject and tell you something. Can I shoot my own horn, can I say something that might shock you? That I'm just going to say it once. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to 
continue talking about it. You can if you want. Are you ready to hear this? I am the toughest soul on planet Earth. There is nobody that's tougher than me that I know of. You know how I can say that? Because it was mentioned in a song by Van Halen called Jump. You gotta talk. I've seen the toughest soul around. Remember that song, Van Halen? Well, you might be scratching your head and questioning yourself, well, how would Blake say that? Did he know Van Halen? Did he have some kind of dialogue with them? Well, let me explain what happened one day. I was working at a hotel in San Diego, at the Hyatt Hotel, and it was probably around 1977, 78. And there at the Hyatt on Mission Bay, we got a lot of celebrities that came to the hotel, football teams too. Rock groups would play in the sports arena just down the road. Well, one day the Van Halen tour bus pulled up. And like we did with a lot of the buses, whether it was a tour of Japanese people or a rock group or whomever, we would take their bags from the bus and take them up to their rooms. So I had this cart of bags, and I'm just taking them from the bus, and now I'm trying to get up the curb so that I can start moving the bags around the side of the building to go into the high-rise building. And I'm, I'm bending over, kind of lifting up the cart on the curb, and I look, and there is David Lee Roth looking at me. But I've never seen a look like that before. He himself is an advanced soul. Take it from me. He is an advanced soul, very advanced. He chose the uh, musical life, you know, as a rock star. And then he was, I worshipped him back then. I loved Van Halen. I worshipped him. I'm serious. I did. I lived, ate, breathed Van Halen back in those days when I was a little bit wild, shall I say. But that look he gave me, it was hard to interpret at the time. But it was like... I know who you are, and look at you, you're doing a menial labor job, and I'm a rock star, I'm making millions of dollars. But it was more than that, I think. It was, it was hard to interpret, but I got the cart up on the curb, and I went around the building, and, and I was walking through the center of the, the property, about to go into the high-rise, and he comes walking up behind me, David Lee Ross, and so... I struck up a conversation with him. I asked him who his favorite group was, and he said, Deep Purple, and I said, you like Judas Priest? And he said, they're all right. And I don't remember what else I said to him, but I took the bags up to the rooms, and I went into uh, Alex, the drummer's room. I put his bags in there, and he went and ran and jumped on the bed, and he turned around and looked at me and said, I want to rent a Camaro. Where can I rent a Camaro? And I said, well, we've got Dollar Rent-A-Car, who we work with. I said, I can call him up and see if I can get one for you. He said, would you do that? And I said, sure. And I think he gave me a tip. And later on, as I was outside the front desk where the cars pull up, 
to get their bags taken out, I saw Eddie, the guitarist, lead guitarist, who was just a great, beautiful person, just a fantastic musician. May God bless his soul. You know, he died recently. And him and his brother Alex were sitting on the the step outside the lobby. It was like a little concrete um, step about three feet high. And they were brushing each other's hair. I thought that was kind of unique, kind of cool, you know. The brothers would brush each other's hair. And later on that night, they had the concert. And I went back to the hotel. I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to fraternize with the guests. But Michael Anthony, the bass player, he was walking down the path after I'd seen the, the concert. It was a great concert. He had a bottle of Jack Daniels. And I walked up alongside of him. And I said hello. And I said, could I have a drink of your Jack Daniels? And he said, sure. He handed me the bottle. And I took a swig, gave it back to him. And I went up to the room where David Lee Roth was. And he had a bodyguard back then. And uh, probably it was a good thing I didn't go inside the room because back then he was, he could have been, I mean, he's a pretty testy individual, you know, wild and crazy kind of guy. Very fun-loving, you know. He would get high and drunk and then just do crazy things. But the bodyguard was standing outside the room and, he, and I said, could I go in? He said, no, no way, I'm sorry. So I went home. But anyway, a few years later, they wrote that album, 1984, that had the song Jump. I've always wondered, and I might be wrong, but I know that my soul has been around. I wouldn't be able to talk about some of these things that I do talk about in my radio show, like heaven and the spirit world and our souls and extraterrestrials if I wasn't an advanced soul. Do you agree with that? Isn't that logical? And as I mentioned, David Lee Ross, I worshipped him. I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread, so to speak, you know. I just loved the man. Not in a physical way. I just, I, I used to read about him, all the rock and roll magazines. And, and, of course, I played all their albums. I had them playing all the time in my car. And Judas Priest, two other bands, you know, because I was into rock and roll. I'm a rocker, you know, from way back when. I don't know about you, but anyway, he says, you got to jump. I've seen the toughest soul around, and it just made sense to me. I love them. They love me. Why not say something like that? I'm sure throughout the universe, you know, like some of the extraterrestrials that are listening in right now, parked in their spacecraft somewhere, maybe around Earth, they are more advanced than I am. Any soul that's been in existence longer than another is more evolved, you know. It comes down to that. How many past lives do you have under your belt? Maybe a couple, five, ten, twenty, eighty. I've heard that people can have as much as 200-plus past lives, which you don't remember because when we're born into planet Earth, when we're born on this planet, do you remember when you were born? The memories of your past lives are wiped out. You go through what is known as the River of Oblivion. And it's for a very specific reason. We're meant to forget where we came from, because this planet, being a lower evolutionary planet, has very specific learning that we have to adhere to, so to speak, conform to. And can you imagine if we could remember our past lives? Like when you 
pass away and go into the afterlife, spend some time in heaven, have a great time, get to meet your deceased relatives, and enjoy yourself, kind of like a vacation for a while. There is no time, of course, in heaven. And then you have to get down to the serious business of planning your next life on some planet around the universe and know what kind of options are available to you, what kind of parents you want to be born into, uh, what category planet. That's why I've always stressed, I've always stressed the importance of developing yourself spiritually as much as possible on this world so that when you do pass away on that day, hopefully sometime into the far future, that you will be sufficiently developed to advance to graduate to a planet of a higher category, whether it's a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. Highly unlikely for someone to make multiple leaps, you know, like if you, someone like myself that I believe, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm going to take a drink of water. I believe that I came from a Category 6 planet. Now, a Category 6 planet is a civilization that is very loving. They love each other. That's the bottom line. They adore each other. They live in harmony. They are like brothers and sisters. And they would have no idea of hurting, no inclination to harm each other in no way whatsoever. They probably master technology, and so they can travel around the universe like Star Trek in very quick fashion. They have anti-gravity and electromagnetic technology, and everything they do in their civilization is always for the advancement and the development of their souls, which we could learn from here on Earth, right? But then again, we are a Category 1 planet. So that's what I think. My goal is to get to a Category 9. Like I told you before in the book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet, written by author Michael Desmarquette, he was abducted and taken to their planet. These extraterrestrials from Aphrodite, nine feet tall. The statues on Easter Island were sculpted in their image. And their spacecraft is capable of going several times the speed of light. They can go interdimensional, which is how they do it. A lot of species, a lot of civilizations are capable of doing that because Einstein was right in as much as in a theory of special relativity, there is nothing faster than the speed of light in the physical universe. But once you get your spacecraft up to the speed of light, and then the forces that push in on the spacecraft can be manipulated, so to speak. They can harness that energy and turn it into another form of energy which allows their spacecraft to transition from the material to the spiritual or the uh, parallel universe, if you will, uh, the spiritual universe, the fourth dimension kind of thing, you know, where everything operates by thought. And so there are molecules, the individuals in the spacecraft, and the spacecraft itself, the molecules are disassembled and reassembled on the other side. And, of course, their technology is so great that they're able to accomplish that without going into all the details. But suffice it to say, uh, they learned how to do that over the millions of years, you know, that they've been in existence longer than us. 
You know, we're a young species here on Earth, just like in the Transformers. You ever see that where Optimus Prime, I think that's his name, says, well, one of the other robots says, well, why do they kill each other? And Optimus Prime says, well, they're a young species, and they deserve to be given a second chance and, you know, something like that. But he does say they're a young species, and we are. But there are also a lot of old souls here on planet Earth, you know, including me, although I can't prove it to you. And you couldn't prove to me just how advanced your soul is. When I said I was the toughest soul around, did you feel, I felt like maybe, I told you, I forewarned you that and I'm not going to talk about it all the time. I just thought it was cool to mention that. Instead of not mentioning it, when I knew it, that I think that's what he was singing about, David Lee Roth was singing about me. You got to roll with the punches, get to watch real. And that was my case back then, you know. I, I think, I mean, I could relate totally that, to that song as if it was made specifically for me. You ever feel that way about a particular song? That they made it for you, or at least it seems like it was suited for you. And as I said earlier, I might be wrong, but it's cool to think about it that, hey, Hey, I'm a little bit proud here, you know. Somebody said I'm the toughest soul around. And if I could only explain to you in more detail that look I got from David Lee Roth standing by the tour bus about 20 feet away, looking right at me, looking in my eyes. And I realized now, and I realized then, man, I realized then and now that he is also an advanced soul. But I think he's gone down the wrong road, you know. Uh, he lived a life of substance abuse and maybe overindulging with females, if you know what I mean. And I think he didn't really go down the spiritual path. But I've got his back, you know. If I see him in heaven, I'll, I'm going to grab him and I'm going to teach him. I'm going to give him a crash course on spirituality because he's my friend, I feel. You know, I, I was telling Doug and Don, uh, Doug earlier, uh, before the show began, him and Don, I think, are advanced souls. They're doing this for the benefit of the world, to make the world a better place, you know? Because God knows we need help, you know? As I was mentioning, it wasn't too long ago when they were mass-murdering Jewish people. And I told you about the Jewish people before. I'll tell you again who they were, so you can understand why there's been all, these, all this anti-Semitism, all these bad feelings towards Jews, as I mentioned, planet Earth is a Category 1 planet. And so the people that are born into this planet are indigenous to the planet and to the atmosphere and to the level of evolution. Even planet Earth is a cosmic being that's evolving. Right now it's a Category 1. Someday it's going to be a Category 2 planet. Maybe after major cataclysms and the reshaping of the Earth's surface, the shifting of the Earth on its axis, it'll turn into a Category 2 planet someday. But in the meantime, Category 1 planets are synonymous with all the killing and fighting that's gone on in the past. And all those Jews, I mean, that's just one example of how badly we've treated each other over the past, and it's also synonymous with young souls. They do that to each other because they don't know who they are. They don't know where they came from. And I'm going to read from a book for you here in a little while. We'll talk about the pre-existence of our souls. But we're going to return 
to heaven. We came from heaven, and we're going to return to heaven. And so, a Category 1 planet compared to a Category 9 planet is like night and day. A Category 9 planet is a veritable paradise. It's the closest thing in the material universe that you could compare to heaven. Heaven, and I might have time to read a little bit from this book, because it describes heaven in great detail. It's the best book I've ever read on what heaven is like. And so it behooves each of us, right, to develop ourselves spiritually so that we can graduate to another existence, right, to a Category 2. Me, my goal is to get to a Category 9. I want to be like those hermaphrodites, you know, male, transgender, male and female, wouldn't that be cool? who are able to regenerate their cells and they don't get old, and they're able to travel around the universe several times the speed of light, go interdimensional with their round-shaped spacecraft, which is about 70 meters in diameter. And they've mastered technology. Technologically and spiritually, they're one of the three most advanced in the Milky Way galaxy. And so that's a Category 9, but what do you have to do to graduate to a Category 9 planet? You have to do the time moving up the ladder of evolution, my friends. And keep going. You know, here on Earth we have a great opportunity to make a difference. And I was saying, Doug and Don, they're doing their part. I'm doing my part. Other people in other ways, other venues, so to speak, to help make the world a better place. There's so many, so many good, beautiful people in this world. It's just a small minority, minority, who are the bullies, the tyrants, the dictators, the troublemakers, people like Hitler. But let me ask you a question, someone like Hitler. If you were God, would you forgive him for what he did, responsible for the deaths of six million Jews, not to mention all those people that died in World War II, you know, like uh, they were saying, 50,000 air aviators died. You know, the bombers that used to go over there to Germany and bomb them. The American, just the Americans alone, not to mention the, the British, how many people died, I don't know. But 50,000 American aviators died in World War II. All those lives could have been spared if it wasn't for that man. And all those other deaths, all the millions that were bombed in England and Germany and in France, all the people killed in France and other countries, Poland. Could you forgive someone like that? Could you? Well, what if I was to tell you that Hitler was sexually abused as a child and his mind was warped by his parents? He was physically abused, too. Or maybe he was sexually abused by a family member. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's possible. You know how we're shaped and molded by the people who we grow up with. Even how our parents would change their diapers if they do it in a loving way compared to just, ah, throw that diaper away. Oh, man, it stinks. Dang. Damn baby. Tired of these babies, you know, and take care of them and slap them around, move them around roughly. and You don't think that would make someone kind of turn out to be a bad apple, so to speak? You know, it's all about love. I don't think Hitler got a lot of love. Not to mention that he was in World War I, as, as I said, and then Germany 
suffered a bad loss, and then, of course, they had the reparations. Uh, the Allied forces were there in the country, and so along come, comes Hitler, and he thinks of a plan to build an empire and, and build, also get a lot of money, a massive fortune, and from stealing diamonds from the diamond mines and Africa and gold from wherever around the world, and they built up their fortune and they started creating their their military machines, you know, their military might. And his goal was to take over the world. Can you imagine how the world would have been today if Hitler, if the Nazis had had won World War Two? Did you know that they were like? Let me put my two fingers up here, my thumb and my index finger, this close to developing the atomic bomb before we were? Yes, I read that. Yes, I read that. I researched that. They were that close. Just, we beat them to the development of the bomb just before they were able to. And if they had developed the bomb before we did the atomic bomb, can you imagine what would have happened? They would have conquered Europe, and then the United States would have followed shortly thereafter. And then Japan would have been on their side, and they would have controlled the world. They would have dominated the world. We would have been under their control of oppression and tyranny, brutal dictatorship. And you think the killing of six million Jews was bad? Can you imagine how it would have been under their domination? So we're very fortunate. Uh, there were some powers that be that prevented them from discovering how to create a whole perfect atomic bomb. Read that book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet. These extraterrestrials from Thayo Uba, I think I'm allowed to say were the ones that were instrumental because they can, these ETs, the verdant, other extraterrestrials, they're able to alter their genetic structure and resemble human beings. Their technology is that great, just like an avatar, right? Except they have a different kind of body. They slip into human bodies and walk around among us. We don't know because they, they're extremely intelligent. I'm not going to let you know because... Someone like me would probably blabber mouth to everybody. Hey, I know how I, that person's an alien, an extraterrestrial. Look at me. I'm smart enough. I, I found that out. That's not very smart, actually. Not smarter than them. If they're able to alter their genetic structure to resemble a human being, let's just say they're many more times smarter than you are or I am, right? And if they're doing that, they're here to help us. And so the least we can do is say, hey, you know, that's cool if you found out that if they told you, which they probably wouldn't, but if you suspect someone being an extraterrestrial or even an angel, angels walk among us too. They can also resent, alter their appearance to resemble a human being. I've heard, read that before. Anyway, yes. Develop yourself spiritually, my friends. Evolve. That's the challenge that not much of us, I got a feeling that not many people are listening to that, what I say. Because why? 
because you're a co-creator God and you don't want anyone to tell me, a co-creator God in the making, and you don't want anyone to tell you what to do. You want to do it your way, and you want to find things out on your own, which is fine. However, not everyone is guaranteed tomorrow, right? Tomorrow might not be here for me or for you. And if you do pass away, God forbid, and then find yourself on the other side, looking back, it's too late to make a difference. And there is that feeling, that feeling of regret and remorse, and only if I'd done this, and I should have known better, if only I'd listened to so-and-so, if only I had done this or that. It happens all the time, my friends. 40,000 people a day are dying on planet Earth. 40,000 around the world. 40,000. About that many are being born, too. So that's why there's BBS radio and these other venues, other mediums, where we have a chance to speak out and help Turn the tide, all this negativity that you see on television, all these channels of evil and violence and people shooting each other. Oh, my God, the real thing were to happen. Then, oh, we're overshocked and awed and, you know, all this killing, all these action movies, action violence, fantasy violence. It's all fine and dandy. You know, to look at it, John Wick and Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Expendables and Sylvester Stallone, may God bless them, they're great actors. You know, Tom Cruise doing great things, and they could do even better things. John Travolta, all that talent could be used in other ways, you know. Give us more real-life stories, true stories of real people. But fantasy violence, we get used to that, and then you have an active shooter, and all of a sudden it just rocks our world to the core, you know, because we're so used to fantasy stuff. We're out of touch with reality. That's why what I talk about is reality, my friends. It's hard, you know, for me to get up here and talk about the soul and heaven and extraterrestrials and everything else that I talk about, what God looks like. I'm going to read to you what God looks like. Because, as I mentioned, there's a pre-existence that we came from before we were born on Earth. Take it from me, heaven. We came from heaven, and we're going to return to heaven. Eventually, not everybody, because we have to pay the price for our mistakes. If we're a murderer, a rapist, whatever, there's a place called hell. God's jail. Run by none other than Archangel Lucifer, who's in charge of the demons and hell. It's a place where you will go to be rehabilitated, all those evil people. They need some serious prompting, don't you agree? Uh, someone like a Hitler, who I would forgive, you know, because of God, I, I think I would know where he went wrong. I could understand the forces that changed his life for the worse, you know. And in this world, once you get going down a path, it's hard to branch off and know what you're doing wrong, you know. Let me tell you about this hospice here in Texas. I read a book. There's actually two hospices run by this one individual. And in one of those hospices, there was a nine-year-old boy who had a brain tumor. 
And eventually he died from the brain tumor. But before he died, he said, it's very strange that he said this. He said, we should find forgiveness for someone like Hitler because we can't judge people. Only God has perfect judgment. Only the creator of the universe and our mother and father God, co-creator God, and the most highest co-creator gods of the solar system, my friends. And there's a lot of other solar systems out there. You've got to believe it. Other galaxies, to the Andromeda galaxy, the large Magellanic Cloud galaxy, lots and lots and lots and lots of others, without confusing you or or telling you some numbers which you can't comprehend as far as the numbers. The scientists and astronomers will try to confuse you by saying there are billions of them. I don't understand what a billion is. A billion galaxies, I don't think so. Not that many. Although the universe is a huge, huge place, right? Suffice it to say, uh, uh, I'm trying to say it's hard to describe just how large the universe is. We're 15 billion light years from the center of the universe where it all began with the Big Bang and the universe began creating itself one solar system after another, one galaxy after another, and here we are in a spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy. Suffice to say, there are some civilizations out there that, you know, all this life here on Earth, if it happened by accident, it can happen by accident anywhere. You know they're discovering planets all the time. And if you look up at a star in the evening sky, I'm looking at one over there, although that could be Venus. No, I think it's a star. But if you look at it through a telescope, you'll see that it's surrounded by planets. Each star in the evening sky is actually a solar system and a sun. So... You know, there's other planets out there that have been in existence for millions of years before our galaxy was even formed. So if that all this life on Earth happened by accident, it could happen by accident. Could have happened by accident on any of those planets, you know? And if there is a creator, which of course there is, you know, God is spirit, and the supreme creator of the universe is such a huge, huge powerful, omniscient, omnipotent spirit, magical, to say the least, magical to the nth power, the very definition of magic is the supreme creator, worthy of love. I mean, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't exist. None of this would exist. This house, that fence over there, those trees, that house over there, that highway, those trees over there, the ground, planet Earth, our sun, other suns, other galaxies would just disappear, and nothing would be left. Nothing but darkness and silence, the way it used to be at one time. Thanks to the Supreme Creator, the loving, wonderful spirit of the Supreme Creator made up that plan, that great plan to grow his herself, because the Supreme Creator is both male and female. You better believe it. And the plan was, through the physical universe, to grow it one solar system at a time and have sentient beings that will go through the process of reincarnation, evolving themselves, so that they can become pure and evolved over those cycles of lives and reach that level of perfection where they could be co-creator gods and understand how to use and manipulate the powers of the universe, the cosmic forces, 
by words. Like it says in the Bible, in the beginning was the word, right? Words are so important, my friends. And they can do that by using the right words, whether they want to create a sun or a planet or spirit children, right? Utilize those cosmic forces that were put into place by the Supreme Creator. All hail the Supreme Creator, who we love very much. So great. The Supreme Creator is so great and wonderful and magnificent. We love you, Supreme Creator. You're awesome, awesome to the nth degree. All the praise for God. Do you praise God sometimes? Whether it's your mother, father, if you believe in just a father God, that's fine. That's where you are in your evolution. Eventually you realize that, as I mentioned before, you need a mother and a father to create children. Same here on earth as it is in heaven, right? Makes sense? Logical? Rational? Or I know some people... There's a limit to their reasoning, and then they say, that's the way it's going to be, and I'm not going to change my mind because I'm a co-creator God in the making. I like to do things my way and find things out for myself, and that's that. I'm not going to learn. Well, a lot of these people are dying nowadays and going to places of darkness even because they wouldn't allow themselves to be taught. They stop their learning at a certain age. They don't learn anymore. That's when you have someone who's teaching you, trying to tell you something. This is the way it is, and there's no debating it. You know, I'm telling you, I know everything. Listen to me. There's no interaction, no sharing of ideas, and that's wrong. I hear those people talking, and I just can't wait really to go away, you know. I might listen to them for a while. Well, you don't see too many of them nowadays, actually, because they're changing, too. They're realizing that. But anyway... Let me change the subject, get on to reading the book. How am I doing on time? I went to my Toastmasters class this morning. I've only got about 15 minutes. How would you like to wake up early Saturday morning and go to a Toastmasters meeting and have to talk in front of 10 or 15 people? Early Saturday morning, well, that's what I do. It's okay. So let me read from this book, The Soul's Remembrance. So the author is Roy Mills, The Soul's Remembrance, Roy Mills, M-I-L-L-F. This is called The Pinnacle of Heaven. We come to this world to gain experience and to grow in the spirit, but we are also here to complete a mission that God himself, and if you're a male spirit, but also for female spirits, the mother God herself gave us. I believe that. Very early in my pre-birth training, before I had looked into the life books or chosen my life experience or met some of my future family and friends, I was taken to an extremely large auditorium, larger than a grand stadium. My guide led me across the most exquisite floor I had ever seen. It was made of a lustrous material I'd never seen before. The floor didn't glow as some of the others I'd seen but it reflected the room's bright light, and in it I could see my own reflection. After leading me across this beautiful floor, my angel took me to a designated place where I was supposed to stand. She told me not to move from that spot, then she left. My guide had not told me why I was being brought to this place, but she had seemed very excited. There were many other angels inside bustling about, 
preparing the auditorium, they all seemed to share the excitement. As I looked around, I saw this section of the auditorium faced a large elevated platform that was several feet higher than the area where I was standing. A very large, pure white chair sat in the center of the raised floor, a few feet back from the edge. The chair was simple in design, but very impressive. It glowed with a powerful, pure white light. It was then that I realized I was in the throne room and that I was waiting in the area where the audience of souls was to stand before the Spirit Father, all male spirits, right? Suddenly, I understood why the angels were so happy and excited. I became very excited, too. I was going to see the Father. I was alone at first, except for two other little spirits who had come in before me and were already waiting in their places. But soon the area began to fill up as angel guides began escorting other little spirits to their designated spots. Eventually, there were thousands of us standing shoulder to shoulder in front of the great throne area, and the room was charged with an air of great anticipation. Once the audience of souls was assembled, an incredibly bright sphere of light appeared at one side of the throne area following behind an escort of high-ranking angels. Those with more authority and responsibility in heaven sang in glorious voices as the sphere of light moved across the floor and came to rest on the glowing throne. Looking at the light was like seeing the sun from only a few yards away. But it didn't hurt my eyes, though it was infinitely brighter than the noonday sun. It was the most brilliant, pure and magnificent light I'd ever seen. It was the source of all light in heaven and elsewhere, the Spirit Father, God himself. And don't forget there is a mother God, too. These are for the male spirits. There were between 30 and 40 angels in the escort, and they were very tall and wore beautiful robes of varying color. We're going to take a drink. Some wore white or crimson robes trimmed in gold. Some wore blue trimmed in red. And others wore gold trimmed in white. When the Spirit Father took his place on the throne, they stayed at a respectful distance at about 25 feet to his right side. There were two other high-ranking angels present. They were tall and very powerful-looking and stood at each end of the throne area in front of the gathering of little spirits. These must have been very special angels because they shone with the light of the glory of God, a light that was so intense that the angels looked as though they were engulfed in flames. Does that ring a bell? Seraphims, my friends, that's what they were, seraphims. Like the burning bush that Moses saw, the flames burned brightly but didn't consume them. But the brightest light by far came from God as he sat on the throne. And remember, Mother God has her own throne. The aura of light around him was so intense that all I could see were his forearms and hands and the lower half of his legs and feet. An indescribable feeling of absolute love had filled the auditorium upon his arrival. 
and all the little spirits began to sing and shout and jump into the air. The sight of God sitting on his throne with his angels in attendance was a glorious thing to behold. Never had I seen such pure light or felt such unconditional love flowing through me. To be in the Spirit Father's presence filled us all with a joy we could hardly contain. We were all ecstatic, wanting to get as close to him as we could, and soon the entire audience of spirits surged towards the throne. As I was swept along in the tidal wave of love, tidal wave of love, an angel came forward and instructed us to calm down and return to our places. It was very hard for us little spirits to remain quiet in the presence of our Creator, but a hush finally fell over the auditorium, and we waited with great anticipation for what would come next. At long last, the Father raised his right hand and pointed at one of the little spirits, calling him by name. Immediately, the spirit was engulfed in a bright light. He was brought forward, and as he stood in front of the elevated throne area, God spoke to him about his upcoming life and announced what his earthly mission would be. All the while, the little spirit glowed with a wonderful light. He floated up into the air, where he hung suspended for a short while before gently floating back down. When the Spirit Father had finished talking to him, he was escorted from the auditorium to begin his pre-birth education. All of us cheered as he left the room because we were very excited about his future life and the mission God had given him. When the next little spirit was called, he was engulfed in a ball of light just as the first spirit. God discussed his upcoming earthly life and gave him his mission for the entire audience of souls to hear. It quickly became clear to me that there are no second-class spirits or second-class missions. God loves all of us with the same unconditional love. All his work is important, and we are all involved in his work. As I stood in the audience, I understood that the other spirits were a part of me, and I was a part of them. All of our lives were interwoven, each soul touching every other soul, and everyone connected to the Father and to the missions that, ha that he planned for us. We were bound together by spirit to experience earth life, and that bond was cemented with unconditional love. As the second little spirit was escorted out, we all rejoiced for his life and mission because we knew it would bless everyone and glorify God. After he left, we all again grew quiet. I was standing near the front of the audience, and slightly to the right, anxiously waiting to see who would be called next. When the Spirit Father raised his hand this time, I was surprised to see him point at me. He called me by a name that was given to me many eons ago, and I found myself surrounded by a huge glowing light, almost as if I were inside a bubble. I felt a surge of pure energy and joy, and God instructed me to approach the stage. The first two spirits that had been called had gone no further than the edge of the waiting area. But when I reached the front, God told an angel to bring me closer. She took me by the hand, and I levitated up over the edge of the stage. The angel then set me on my feet about eight feet from the throne of God. 
I still could not see into the bright light that surrounded the Spirit Father, but I was filled with awe and bursting with love. So I felt this tremendous love flow, flow through me again. I was stunned to find myself standing so close to God, but I felt honored and privileged. I was always a somewhat independent and outspoken spirit, and I had decided to ask God for a specific mission. I never considered myself better than the others, but I wanted a greater challenge, and I also wanted to do whatever might please the Father, no matter what I had to experience to get it done. So when my turn came, and I was standing there before God, I boldly asked him if I could have a certain mission which I had heard about before. God knew, of course, what I was going to ask before I even asked. And that is why he had brought me right in front of him. Father, I'd like to remember heaven when I go to earth so I can tell people about it and help them learn of you. He smiled and nodded, and we began to discuss my mission. After he had spoken to me for a while, the Spirit Father turned to the angels and told them that I had volunteered to take the message of our pre-birth existence to the earth. It had been a long time since the message had been sent to the world, and I would be one of only a few people who would ever come to earth and remember heaven after being born. God informed the angels that he was going to allow me to remember the experience in the throne room, and he asked if any of them objected. Only one seemed upset about it, and he stepped forward to register his objection. God listened to what he had to say, but he granted my request anyway. Before leaving heaven, all spirits are given a mission by God to accomplish while on earth. This mission is given to us in the Father's throne room, or the Mother's throne room, if you're a female spirit, because it is one of the most important lessons for us to teach or to learn in our mortal lives. All missions are positive and involved giving something of ourselves without expecting anything in return. I've got one minute left, my friends. I'll continue reading that later. I won't be here next week because, God willing, we still have a week to go. We're planning to go on a cruise next Saturday, a week, to get away and have a good time. So I'm going to ask Doug or Don to play a rerun, and they'll have a choice, whatever it is. So thank you for listening. I wish you the best, and may the creator of the universe bless all of us, everybody. I love you. Take care. Bye-bye.